0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Retail Rundown. I'm your host, senior reporter Gabby Barco, and I'm here with Editor-in-Chief Kale Guthrie-Weissman. Good morning, Kale.
1: Hey, how's it going, Gabby?
0: It's great, great. I'm so excited to talk about this week's news. There's a lot to cover. Today, we have the latest round of Amazon layoffs. We have Panera embracing Amazon's Palm Payment technology and finally, we'll talk about FootLocker and Nike rekindling their partnership. So, first up, uh, let's talk about this latest round of layoffs that comes on the back of an even bigger one. Um, you wanna just give us a little bit of a summary about what's going on at Amazon right now, Kale?
1: Sure. So uh earlier this week, Amazon announced even more layoffs. And I mean, pretty much every tech company in the world. Not in the world, but, you know, most tech companies are announcing layoffs, which is uh, a sad state of affairs right now. Um, for for numbers, the latest layoffs at Amazon, 9,000 workers, it said. And that's pretty staggering because the company had already laid off 18,000 others. So, you know, yeah. a, a small to mid-sized city, um, as I always mm-hmm. like to think of it. But, like, um, the latest out of layoffs, according to the company... Uh, was cloud computing, human resources, advertising, and Twitch live streaming, um, which, you know, not necessarily retail affiliated, but Amazon in many ways is the biggest retail company in the world. And the fact that after doing huge cost cutting only, you know, a month or so ago, the company is continuing a pace with even more is, is at least startling.
0: Yeah. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the direction that this leads us to because we did speak about it um, recently about how Amazon is kind of dabbling in retail and grocery, but there seems to be a little bit of confusion or mixed messages. Uh, So yeah, where do you think this puts us given that Andy Jassy is kind of taking um, a pretty stark direction this time around? I mean, there are a
1: few things here. One is that Amazon has always been the company that has been willing to Spend money to experiment. Uh, And some of those experiments have paid off and some haven't. And now the company is clearly reining back a lot of its spending and a lot of its more, you know, I don't know if moonshots the right way to say it, but a lot of its more experimental programs in the name of Mm -hmm. trying to focus on on the bottom line. And so I imagine that, you know, we're definitely getting mixed messages, because from the first round of layoffs, which we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, grocery was kind of hit, but then the company all, or physical retail was hit, I should say. But now the company responded saying, oh, we still have big physical physical retail ambitions. Um, and... I mean, like, there there are a few other things just in terms of if a company that relies on having so many people to sort of liaise between sellers and vendors and is significantly cutting its headcount, that's going to have an impact on the relationships that it has with these, these other third parties who rely on the service, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of, why don't we talk about what this means for the Amazon ecosystem? Because there is a trickle-down effect that impacts uh, the third-party sellers, which make up the majority of sellers on Amazon. So yeah, why don't you give us, uh, uh, I I think, Kale, you covered this uh, recently. So why don't you give us a little bit of, uh, yeah, what's going on there?
1: So it's a really interesting thing. And I would say that, according to the people that I talk with, third-party, I mean, this will impact third-party sellers just because they are keeping tabs on Amazon. And any change to their financials could, you know, impact them for a variety of reasons. I think first-party sellers are especially worried about this. So uh, mm. first-party sellers, you know, are brands that sell wholesale to Amazon. Um, and they, they do it instead of doing it themselves with the fulfilled by Amazon platform they sign big purchase orders you know every every year um and then Amazon is on the hook for selling that um and that requires a lot of Amazon manpower to do that that you know you have an account manager who you know worked through all those contracts and different things like that and there has been a slow shift according to people that I've talked with for the last month over a month or so. Um, there's been a slow shift where they feel like Amazon is giving them worse terms in terms of their wholesale partnerships, and it feels like Amazon's mm-hmm. pushing them off the platform. Or, and this is where the layoffs is really interesting. Um, they feel like they don't have anyone they can turn to to negotiate. And the mm-hmm. whole thing about wholesale and vendor relationships is it's a it's a relationship game. It's a it's a negotiation game. And so, pretty much, I've talked with numerous vendors who have said. Uh, Amazon is, you know, raising our prices, they're raising our fees, our POs are all going crazy right now, but we feel like we can't, we don't have any way to talk with someone at Amazon about that. And so I saw people talking about and posting as soon as these layoffs were announced earlier this week that they're like, this means worse things for us because we're already mired in these wholesale um, negotiations. uh, And this means that there's going to be even fewer people that we can turn to or rely to that we know work at the company Uh, And so there's this big question within the entire ecosystem of, like, does Amazon actually want to work with vendors? It was a really big push that Amazon would begin doing this whole wholesale push. It would sell these products on Amazon. Uh, It would, you know, it was a good deal for brands because then they wouldn't have to be in charge of, you know, selling each individual item and fulfilling it. Uh, And now it seems Amazon's pushing away from that and wants it to be much more self-serve on the brands part. But that leaves the companies that are 1P in a real, real tough bind, and they don't know what to do. And so it's been interesting to watch. Again, these layoffs don't really, it doesn't seem like it primarily impacts this round of the business, but people are already talking about how this is even more proof that Amazon is trying to whittle down its headcount, and that could have an impact on the relationships they have with people inside the company.
0: Right. And I think, you know, over the last few years, we've heard so much from brands about how they're constantly wooed and courted by Amazon. And so when you finally get there, you know, then there's like the quote unquote, the real work starts. And then that's when you have to kind of figure out, yeah, the relationship aspect of it. And so I can see why the volatility could in in and of itself could be um, just hard to navigate.
1: Yeah, it's definitely difficult. And it seems like there's there are there's a lot of nuance to it and there's no way we could talk about it in just a few minutes but like a lot of brands are, you know, wonder if this means that they should not be a first party seller selling wholesale but it should be a third party but then there are there are rules with that. So you can't you're technically not allowed to be both 1P and 3P although many brands are. And so there's a very big st- strategic shift in terms of how especially medium-sized companies are thinking about operating on Amazon because they feel like they don't have a place at the table because they think Amazon is becoming much more of a sort of algorithmic behemoth. Like if they want, if they're getting a purchase order, it seems like it's created by a computer and they can't go back and say, hey can we can we talk about these terms cuz they don't work for my business and so then they could be say well in that case i'm going to sell on the third party platform um and i will you know do this all myself but then amazon could technically be like, because you were a wholesale vendor with us before, this is not allowed. And so you need to come back to us as a wholesale vendor. So it's become a really bizarre situation for a lot of people who, uh, and I hear that it's not getting any better. Like I first reported this like a month and a half ago, and people are still saying that this is a huge issue for for the vendor space on Amazon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to monitor and see how the rest of the year goes for this part of Amazon. Uh, but now we will move on to uh, a different segment of Amazon, of course. It's all Amazon. <laughs> this past week, Panera Bread became the first, one of really the first uh, mainstream brands to test Amazon palm scanning. So if you want to pay for your bread soup bowl with your palm, now is your time. I want to talk a little bit about this technology because it's one of the I mean, of course, a lot of the Amazon "just walk out" technology freaks people out. There's a lot of controversy around it, but the Palm One, in and of itself, um, is just beyond that. It's very dystopian. I came across <laughs> it a few weeks ago. Have you and, used you know, it? I'm I'm usually an early adopter, and I did. I just kind of gave it a look, and you know, maybe I will. It's it's a Whole Foods, so it's you know, it's a a place I go pretty frequently. So I was thinking about it, but. I mean, why don't we talk about the partnership itself, which is um, follows uh, another partnership with Hudson News, which is obviously very prominent in airports. I feel like that was years ago, and maybe it was disrupted by COVID for a couple of years. But what do you think about the actual partners that this is being rolled out to or tested with? Because to me, it seems very specific.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Amazon's trying to find any partner that it t- can work with, and I'm uh, mm. and I think so. Panera's using the Amazon One, which is Palm and Hudson. I think is Just Walk Out, which are slightly different, but mm-hmm. I they're the same. I mean, I I might be wrong, but they're essentially the same business units where it's retail tech, you know, like payments technology. And so this is the first major one for the Palm One, which I think you're right on the dystopian front. And I think the only other ones that use it, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, it's Amazon-owned stores. So I guess you can use Palm Technology and Whole Foods, Amazon Go, and then some stadiums and ar- and arenas, um, CNBC says. And then Hudson News has done a test. And I actually saw one in, a, in an airport recently, which is with Just Walk Out, which is just that you walk in and like, I think you have to sign in and then just pick something up and leave. I The thing that I'm constantly thinking about with Amazon is that this was touted as a really big uh, revenue driver. So, you know, fintech payments technology, the way to wire stores so that they're more frictionless. Um, and a lot of major retailers have been slow to adopt it. And there are a few reasons. One is it's really expensive. They require a lot of computing. They are kind of weird at the tech front. Like if I were a major retailer, I don't know if I would want to do something that's palm reading though. Who knows where things will go down the line. But I also do think that A lot of retailers are wary to work with Amazon in general. Like, Amazon Mm -hmm. has been a major competitor. So why would they want to have that company looking into all of their direct transactions, you know?
0: Right. Well, that and uh, so yeah, it's part of the Amazon One program, which uh, I mean, there is a little bit of a barrier of entry. So even if you do want to use A, you have to sign up uh, beforehand, uh, you know, and then finish it up in store. It's a little complicated. But with that, it's actually also tied up to the rewards program. So at Panera, for example, obviously, they have a huge one. So I do wonder what if that's maybe a big draw, it's, you know, if you can have the The rewards program literally in the palm of your customers' hands would that, you know, just bump up the membership or the frequency. Uh, Who knows? But it's interesting.
1: I would also add that like Panera is probably less worried about Amazon and pun intended eating its lunch. Um, than than uh, than many others, because Panera, you know, Panera has a solid base. It wants to use its loyalty program. You're completely right about that. And it's not like Amazon has ha- had any ambitions to go into the the quick service restaurant space. And so to use it makes a little bit more sense. But if, you know, let's say I were a midsize grocer or something like that, I might I might have pause in working working with the company, you know?
0: Yeah. And uh, I think this is a good time to talk about the trend in general, which is not anything new. You know, I'm sure we've been covering even uh, as early as 2017. But I I do feel like there is this sort of back and forth shift between retailers or platforms wanting to invest and then pulling back when, um, you know, things are dire or they want to cut costs. Uh, So the investment itself just seems kind of, um, you know, constantly flailing. But why don't we talk about um, Instacart also wanting to get into in-store retail tech as another um, source of revenue, actually?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, there's a big push specifically with the platforms that are trying to build out these you know, complementary revenue streams. And so Instacart is a really great example of that because uh it's been touting for the last years, months, blah, blah blah uh about all these ways that they can work with grocers um like smart carts. I feel like we talked about this not that long ago either. Uh mm-hmm. smart carts, o- other types of payment technology with the idea that um like, the you know, you can digitize the grocery space, especially for small to mid-sized grocers, which I think is pretty analogous to what Amazon is trying to do with these different payment technologies, which is, you know, make for an easier, more tech-enabled in-store experience. And, you know, I imagine that retailers might be more interested in working with Instacart than they would with Amazon, just because uh, it's a little bit, It's a little bit less competitively hairy. Um, But then also, I think you're totally right that these are really expensive and they take a lot of like there's a lot of adoption uh, curves associated with it. And so it makes me wonder. I don't know. It just like I think that it's going to be a while until they become very ubiquitous. And I think that there's no clear winner. And the fact that it's taken so long for Amazon to have a major partner is definitely something you know worth noting.
0: And from there, uh, let's move on to uh, a partnership that has been rekindled this year. As I (laughs) previously had alluded to it, Um, it's will they, won't they? Our favorite, Uh, Nike and Footlocker. It's been an interesting few years uh, for these two, which are you know have had historically a pretty strong partnership. But uh, you know, with Nike wanting to focus on direct to consumer in the last couple of years, that obviously put a ranch in a lot of its uh retail partners relationships. So why don't we talk about Footlockers Investor Day and how they sort of broke down what the next phase will look like.
1: Yeah, it looks like they are they're coming together again. Um, which is really interesting because Nike has been focusing um so specifically on relying less on uh, you know, retail partnerships. It's been trying to build, you know, Sales from its own stores, sales from its websites. You know, it does have some partnerships that it does focus on, but it has been written about a lot about how Nike was pulling away from Foot Locker. But then um, Mary Dillon, Foot Locker's CEO, uh, she she said, and this is a quote, I'm just reading the article, my team and I have spent a great deal of time with Nike revitalizing our partnership, developing a shared vision of a future marketplace. Um, And so I think that that is a really... Big change in both of those companies' uh, trajectories because they both seemed like they were parting ways only a few months ago.
0: We should also mention that Nike uh, has, I mean, I wouldn't say struggle. I'm not sure what the right word is. But, you know, they've had some issues with X's inventory in the past year or so, like a lot of other brands. But um, I wonder if there is a shift in distribution strategy just based on what they've been experiencing um, post, you know, really high demand uh, during the height of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, no, I think that you're exactly right about that, where like Nike was doing okay compared to other other ones, but it also did have uh, a lot of inventory on hand. And so the way to deal with inventory on hand is to strike wholesale partnerships. And so it seems like it was advantageous for it to tweak th- the strategy that it was that it was going for
0: right and uh yeah, we should actually this is a good time to mention just how important Nike is to foot locker. I mean I think um if you want to break kale, you know I know you love the numbers why don't you break down the love numbers the
1: numbers us? I mean uh so th- I was I was doing doing looking at this earlier um so in February 2022 um Foot locker said that it expected Nike to be 60 percent of its total purchases uh in 2022. So like it's it was going to be over half was from Nike. Um but that being said, it was 70% in 2021 and 75% in 2020. Um and so like that's a big that's a big number. Um mm-hmm. and so I mean Foot Locker at the time was saying we we're trying to diversify away from Nike because we can't rely on this if the company continues to be so focused on 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 its own sales it as a retailer can't expect it down the line, but, and I'm sure Foot Locker still does not want Nike to be, you know, 60% of its entire sales, but it seems like they are having better talks now than they were before, um, which is probably good for Foot Locker.
0: Yeah. So it looks like they have a plan to bring that down even further to, um, you know, even up to 55% in the next couple of years. Uh, so we'll see where that goes, but, I do think it's interesting, uh, one quote from the CMO from Foot Locker, uh, where he said that the strategy that they're going with will be complementary to Nike's direct-to-consumer strategy, which, if we read between the lines, do you think this might be maybe in the vein of their the Dick's Rewards Program strategy?
1: Oh, maybe, yeah. I didn't even think of that, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think... If you're a retailer who has relied so much on these, you know, class A brands that are trying to build out their DTC strategies, you need to figure out a way that you can be brought into that fold or you're going to be left behind because so many shoe retailers are have been scrambling for the last, you know, year plus because of moves from the likes of Nike. And so I think looking at at a program like Dick's uh, is, is really smart because that's a way where both of them can hopefully be happy.
0: Yeah, and we should probably explain for the listeners who aren't familiar what that looked like. I think it was, was it about a year ago that it was announced? And it essentially allows, uh, you know, the the two programs, the two, you know, respective rewards programs and their members to cross over a lot of the perks, uh, from what I understand. And so that makes, you know, it obviously is beneficial to Dick's and then Dick's customers could also shop Nike Think right. That's how it is. Yeah. So with that said, um, I wonder if Footlocker can maybe find, uh, you know, a middle ground or a sweet spot to be able to make Nike happy, but also obviously, you know, bring those customers in the fold.
1: I'm sure Footlocker wants that very, very badly. And I wonder. I would be interested to know what you know. Footlocker is one of the most major shoe retailers in the country. There are others that are a little bit smaller, like you know, DSW, et cetera. And so I'd be interested to know. Is Nike going to be playing ball with them? Probably not, but maybe, I don't know, this this could open up the road for future discussions of this type down the line, but, but we will definitely see. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see maybe like um, merchandising differentiation or segments that, you know, some retailers uh, get exclusives or not. I think there's a lot of different ways that this can go. So it'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to watch.
0: Well, that's all from us this week. You can write and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps us out a lot. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Modern Retail Podcast to hear interviews with industry leaders. That one drops every Thursday. And of course, come back Saturdays for the Modern Retail Rundown. Kale, why don't you give us a preview on who you have next week?
1: Um, Sure. So I'm going to be at Shop Talk this next week. So if you're there, say hi to Mm. me. And I'm hoping to have an episode that comes live from it. So stay tuned.
0: Very excited for that. Love a live podcast. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time.